Hi, welcome to Bookie. To unlock more world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features. Today we'll unlock with you the book Becoming, the autobiography of Michelle Obama. It's widely known that Michelle Obama was First Lady of the United States from 2009 to 2017, and also the first African-American First Lady. This book was written by Michelle Obama herself after Barack Obama stepped down as U.S. President. It's a typical political tradition in the U.S. that the former First Lady writes a memoir after her husband steps down. Surprisingly, Michelle Obama's memoir was more popular and well-received than any memoir by other former first ladies, and even outranked memoirs of former presidents. The book sold more than 720,000 copies in North America on the first day of its release. It's been translated into 33 languages, and was a bestseller in many countries around the world. It not only broke the sales record of English books in 2018, but was also top bestseller lists of almost all major bookstores, including both brick and mortar and online platforms. So why is this book so popular? In this book, Michelle Obama both playfully and candidly told her story of evolving from a little girl from an African-American working-class family, to an elite Ivy League graduate, and then first lady of the U.S. She talked about how she made it through life challenges, and how these events had influenced her. Through this book, we don't see the First Lady as a celebrity or a politician, but as a real, respectful and ordinary woman behind the halo. Michelle did not make herself seem like a flawless role model, and spout inaccessible inspirational sayings such as, you can succeed as long as you try hard. Instead, she didn't shy away from revealing her confusion, conflicts, and even wounds that she bore along her journey. They resonate with the readers, who in turn feel empowered. Michelle also willingly showed readers her ordinary side. Like an ordinary woman, she fought with her husband because he spent too much time working. She was exhausted from trying to balance her family with her career. And she too felt bitter for some of the sacrifices that she had to make. Through this book, we see Michelle as a friend, and we feel her joy, her anger, her sorrow, and her fear. We feel emotionally connected to her. From a rented attic on the south side of Chicago to the 55,000-square-foot White House, from a working-class African-American child to the most powerful woman in the U.S., Michelle had had many roles. It's honorable that she had never changed. She neither gave up on herself because of the prevalent racism in her early years, nor lost herself in the luxury upper-class world. She did not abandon her frankness in order to avoid attacks from the media. Moreover, she did not become obsessed with power, even when she was in the center of politics. This is one of the reasons why the book was so well-received. Using her shifting roles as the major storyline, Michelle Obama wrote about her experiences and challenges through three major phases of her life. We will now share with you her story in the following three parts. Phase 1, as Michelle Robinson, how did she overcome all obstacles and become the epitome of the American dream? Phase 2, as Michelle Obama, how does he juggle family and pursue her goals at the same time? Phase 3, as First Lady of the U.S., 
How did she define herself and play a more influential role? First, let's look at the first phase of her life. How did Michelle Robinson, a working-class African-American girl, overcome all obstacles and become the epitome of the American dream? Michelle was born as Michelle La Vaughn Robinson on the south side of Chicago in 1964. She spent most of her childhood with her parents and her elder brother in an attic apartment in a relative's house. Although they didn't have much money, they lived a happy and fulfilling life. The United States was in the midst of a tumultuous transition. The civil rights movement was in full swing, Martin Luther King and the Kennedy brothers were subsequently assassinated. Racial segregation was intensifying on the south side of Chicago and in many other places. The anti-Vietnam War movement reached its peak, with the police causing bloodshed while dispersing protesters, and so on and so forth. However, turmoil in the outside world did not diminish the passion for life in Michelle's family. Though they were not rich, Michelle's father often took the family for a ride or to the drive-in theater in his Buick, nicknamed the Deuce and a Quarter. He was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in his thirties, but he never complained. Though his legs gradually lost their mobility, Michelle's father was never absent. He always showed up for his kids' events. Michelle's mother didn't talk much, but she was strong and fearless. She was attentive to her kids' opinions. She listened to them and respected their decisions. Although their living space was cramped, Michelle's mother managed to make it neat and cozy. She would change the layout of the room now and then, or make Muppets out of old socks to bring some pleasant small joys to their life. Unlike many other black people back then, Michelle's parents highly valued education for their children, and they were never short-sighted. They started to teach Michelle and her brother from an early age to use standard diction and grammar, instead of using the standard African-American vernacular. Michelle's parents wanted their children to go beyond the status quo. That's why they gave them an early education to get them prepared for mainstream American society. Michelle's mother had a Zen neutrality when it came to her kids' education. She never interfered much with the kids' business, and she never made a curfew for them. Michelle's parents believed they were raising adults, not babies. As a result, Michelle developed her independent thinking ability. She knew whether she wanted something or not. For example, she would debate with her mother to free herself from having to eat eggs. More importantly, Michelle experienced a Socratic victory from debates like this, which would give her more confidence to face the world ahead. Growing up in such a unique family, Michelle was self-motivated, independent, hardworking, and always hopeful. Thanks to her parents, Michelle was able to open her eyes from an early age and see a wider world. Their educational philosophy also protected the fearless flame in Michelle's heart from being extinguished. Inevitably, however, influence from the outside world during that era brought confusion to Michelle about her self-identity. In the 1960s, the civil rights movement had achieved some measure of success, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 ended segregation. Still, decades of residential and educational segregation left a social impact, that could not be easily erased by changes in law and order. Once, 10-year-old Michelle was chatting with some girls her own age at a relative's, when a girl pointedly questioned her why she talked like a white girl. 
It was as if her standard way of expression was a betrayal of her race and a form of pretentiousness. The girl's question made Michelle feel upset and helpless. It was the first time that she felt she did not fit in either world. Michelle realized that not only were white people deeply biased against black people, but black people themselves also internalized this sense of inferiority. It inevitably caused her to experience an identity crisis. Michelle's sense of identity crisis became even more acute after she entered Whitney M. Young High School, a top high school in Chicago. The school was designed to encourage interaction between students of all colors, and she realized that she had to work hard and be good enough to break the racial barriers and build confidence. She also knew that she represented not only herself, but the black community of the south side of Chicago. With caution and determination, Michelle made her odyssey in this new world. She proved herself to be no less competent than her non-black schoolmates, and became more confident and assured of her identity. However, early in her senior year, when Michelle was preparing for college applications, a school college counselor to whom she had been assigned dealt her a major blow. By then, Michelle was on track to graduate in the top 10% of her class and join the National Honor Society. However, when she said that she wanted to follow her brother to Princeton University, the counselor responded carelessly and condescendingly, saying I'm not sure that you're Princeton material. Thankfully, Michelle's hard-earned confidence was not beaten by that dismissive judgment. On the contrary, it awakened her fighting spirit. Her only thought was I'll show you. Not frustrated by the implication of a possible failure, Michelle sought help from someone who actually knew her. This person was Mr. Smith, her neighbor who also happened to be the assistant principal at the school. Mr. Smith wrote a letter of recommendation for Michelle and gave her great support. Six months later, her dream came true when she received her acceptance letter from Princeton. At that moment, she realized that she didn't have to show anyone if she was Princeton material or not. The only person she needed to prove it to was herself. At Princeton University, Michelle started a new journey. In the 1980s, Princeton was predominantly white. Only less than 9% of students were black. Michelle described them as poppy seeds in a bowl of rice. The feeling of being different of standing out because of her skin color, and the ever-present sense of alienation made Michelle find it hard to fit in. At Princeton, Michelle met schoolmates from various backgrounds and of diverse skin colors. Everyone seemed to be so different from one another, something that she hadn't experienced before she went to university. Although she had willingly confined her social life to the minority community, Michelle realized that she must rise to the challenge of trying to narrow the gap and earn her rightful place. Under the influence of the civil rights movement of the 1980s, many universities started to adopt affirmative action in order to enroll more minority students. Michelle's excellent academic performance was not enough to eliminate the skepticism and scrutiny from other students and even professors. They seemed to be saying, I know why you are here. Michelle again started to doubt herself. She wondered, was she here not as a result of her hard work, but merely as part of a social experiment? Thankfully, the doubt did not last long. When she saw that many of her fellow students were failing, whether they were black or white, poor or rich, she found that the so-called truth was not important at all. 
What she must do is to hold steady, earn the best grades possible, and make every effort to smoothly complete her studies. During her college years, Michelle and her black friends often encountered explicit or implicit racial discrimination. The mother of one of her roommates once badgered the university to move her daughter to another dormitory, for the sole reason that there was someone black in the three-person room. Another black girl's birthday party was reported by her white roommate, who felt uncomfortable with big black guys in the room. Such experiences drove Michelle to strive harder. She saw that the white student's confidence and sense of entitlement was a result of historical influences, and wasn't proof of their actual abilities. It was therefore more important for her to catch up with, and surpass those who felt entitled. She was representing not only herself, but her race. Driven by this motivation, she not only made steady academic progress, but also found a part-time job at what was then called the Third World Center, a school organization to support students of color. There, she met many people who inspired and helped her. Abiding by the code that effort equals result and effort continues to equal result, Michelle gradually climbed the social hierarchy. Not only did she graduate with outstanding grades from Princeton, but was also admitted to the best law school in the U.S., Harvard Law School. After graduating from Harvard, Michelle got a job in a well-known law firm. She became an excellent elite lawyer. Her American dream was realized. Now, we've covered the first phase of Michelle's life as Michelle Robinson. She was born to a working-class black family, and was raised to be highly self-motivated and optimistic. Though racial discrimination made her doubt her identity, she worked hard and managed to turn her self-doubt into confidence. She bravely broke racial barriers and found her place in the elite class. Today we are just sharing Limited Bookie. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features.